you have your Bible, please open it to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be looking at uh, verse 5 today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 today. The, the nine Beatitudes here in Matthew chapter 5 are, verses 3 through 12, are convictions of the way. And that is the way of Jesus Christ. And the, the, the convictions here are his convictions. And he gives these convictions to all of his people, people who have saving faith in his name. And there are, are three ways that we can understand and interpret these Beatitudes. First, they, they, represent, they represent a great reversal of fortune that all believers are waiting for with the second coming of Christ. Second, they they represent the wisdom and virtues and and ethics of God's kingdom. And third, they represent human flourishing in this life, Jesus' way. We've already seen what this flourishing looks like in in the first, eighth, and ninth, and second Beatitudes. Like Christians don't flourish because, uh, uh, because of how they walk with God. They don't flourish because they suffer. They don't flourish because they are persecuted for the faith. They don't flourish because of, of how they respond to their brokenness and the evilness in the world. We flourish because of God's faithfulness. Verse 3 says, the poor in spirit flourish because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who suffer for and are persecuted for the faith, they flourish because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who mourn and lament and grieve flourish because they shall be comforted by God. You see, all Christians can flourish in this life despite their circumstances because their God is faithful. Because their God is faithful. His faithfulness, not necessarily our faithfulness. Second Timothy verse 2, chapter 2, verse 13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Exodus 34, 6 says, in Exodus 34, 6, the Lord God told Moses, the Lord, the Lord, a merciful God and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And his faithfulness to you is more than pie in the sky. It is a certainty. It is real. But do you believe it? Do you believe God is faithful to you at this particular moment? Not in the past, not in, in, the, in your future, but in this moment in your life, in your right now, is God faithful to you? Do you believe that? He is faithful. And we're going to continue to see that truth in the third beatitude in Matthew verse 5. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Flourishing are the meek, because they shall inherit the earth. Flourishing are the meek. Because they shall inherit the earth. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of your word, we need a constant reminder that the pastor and his sermon doesn't change anybody. Coming here, listen to our 30-minute sermon is not going to change any of us. We need your spirit. The spirit has to take to preach word as he takes everything that we do and change us and encourage us. We need you, Holy Spirit, 
We need you. And you live in us. The same spirit that came at Pentecost, the same spirit that lives in us. You haven't changed. You have not changed. You're still the same. That same power lives in all of us who know Jesus in faith. So, Holy Spirit, be our helper, be our counselor, be our advocate, be the one who encourages us. Help us to be more sensitive to your leading in our life. That you are the deposit that guarantees our inheritance. No other group of people can say that the Spirit of God lives in them but Christians. Wow. May we rejoice in that. May we be grateful for that. So, Holy Spirit, we need you. We cry out to you. You're not on the C team in the Trinity. You're just as important as the Father and the Son. So minister to Christ's people today for his glory and our benefit. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I have a question for all the kids today. And if you're ready for the question, please raise your hand if you're a kid. Don't be shy. Raise your hand. There are some adult kids too, so if you're an adult and you think you're a kid, you can raise your hand too. What makes a person a good friend? Feel free to answer. Don't be shy. Ian. Yes. Yeah. What makes a good friend? Any other answers? David. Trustworthy. What else makes a good friend? Honest. Any others? There's one word that can capture all these qualities. Kind. Yes, kindness. There's one word that can capture all the qualities of a good friend, and that word is character. A good friend has a certain kind of character. And I'm not talking about the character in your favorite book or movie or show. The the character I'm talking about is is the attitude that the person may have. And each of you kids, you have a character too. You have a character. The same is true for adults. The same is true for teens. We all have character. And and character is referring to the mental and moral qualities that makes a person distinct from other people. Former former congressman C.J. Watt says, character is doing the right things when nobody's looking. Too many people who think that the only thing that's right is to get by, and the only thing that is wrong is to get caught. You see... Character is what the third beatitude addresses first here. Flourishing are the meek because they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is a character trait. It's a virtue of God's kingdom. It's a conviction of the way. And in the Holy Spirit, the one I just prayed to, is the one who grows that in the hearts of believers. He grows it in the lives of, of Jesus' people. And who are Jesus' people? Who are Jesus' people, kids? Christians, yes. Jesus' people are those who have seven faith in him. And listen to this. Good character won't save you. Good character won't save you. There are plenty of meek people in the world who don't know Jesus. These are your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates, your friends, your sorority brothers and sisters. Everyday people you bump into, people you go to school with, go to college with. 
They are good people. They have meekness. But some of them still don't know Jesus. And so, kids, you don't, you don't want to grow up just to have good character. You also want to grow, come to saving faith in Jesus. In the same way for you grown-ups, your character doesn't save you. Character doesn't deliver you from sin and God's wrath. Faith in Christ alone does. And in this verse, Jesus is not just been, he's not been a good moral teacher in this verse. That's what Jesus gets accused of by people who don't believe in, that he's God, that he's a good moral teacher. Like if you want to live a good life, then follow the teachings of Jesus. He didn't come so that you can just live a good life here. He came to make a way for you to be, be made right with a holy God. That's why he came. And in these verse, he's not casually talking to anybody about meekness. He's talking to his people, to his disciples, to his church, to you if you know him in saving faith. Romans 4.25 says, Christ died on the cross for our trespasses, and he was raised for our justification. It's an amen statement. And his hands are extending out to you if you don't know him, inviting you to receive him as Lord and Savior. We had leadership training yesterday, and one of the things that I told the leaders is that we have to understand, if people don't know Jesus, if you got people in your life that you love, that you care about, and if they don't know Jesus, you know what happens to them when they die. They are eternally separated from God. That's what happens. And we need to feel the weight of that as Christians. So we need to be praying for our loved ones, praying for those who don't know us, that don't know Christ. I'm a believer today because my mother prayed for me, labored for me in prayer. And some of you have that same testimony. So if you've been praying for, for lost friends and relatives, those prayers are not wasted, saints. They are not wasted prayers. Continue to labor for your family. Labor for your kids in prayer. That's not in my notes. It's a side note. So if you don't know Jesus today, then today is the day to get right with God. Acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. Confess and repent of your sins, and he will forgive you. He will forgive you. Ask him to be your redeemer and your king. And once you come to faith in him, the Holy Spirit, will come and live inside of you. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 says, In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we require possession of it, the praise of his glory. The Spirit will work in you the meekness that Jesus talks about here in verse 5, this character trait, flourishing on the meek, Flourishing on Jesus' people. As a young man, Jacob had shady character. Not the kind of individual you would trust. It's not the kind of man you want your daughter to date. He began his life as a deceiver, a cheater, and a liar. And some of you know the story of Jacob, how he treated his own brother out of his birthright, and how he eventually met his match and his father-in-law. And how the Lord eventually changed his character and even changed his name. He grew into a man of integrity and humility through God's grace in his life. You see, meekness in action looks like humility and integrity. That's what it looks like. It's both of them. And what is humility? 
It's an attitude towards oneself. It's how you view yourself in relation to other people. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Humility helps us think without, with sober judgment about who we are as believers. It prevents us from getting the big head. Because, you know, you know what the big head means, right? It's arrogance and prideful. It restrains us from being overly impressed with our own sense of self-importance. Like, I, I think I'm self-important. I don't know about you, but I, I do. And, and the Spirit has to remind me. Alex, you're not as great as you think. Okay? All right, tone it down a little bit. It holds back self-righteousness. It keeps at bay selfish ambition. And it gives us the courage and the honesty to be open about our issues in broken places. You see, humility is one of the most underappreciated values, virtues in the world. Do you know why? Because people misinterpret it as weakness. Some people see uh, humility as the virtue of the lowly and the oppressed, qualities of the powerless, the marginalized. Humility isn't weakness. It's, it's meekness in action. It's a strength for people who possess it, but many of us don't. Pastor R.A. Bernard says, humility is not weakness, but it's strength under control. Humility is not weakness, but it's strength under control. See, humility is not you thinking less about who you are as a person. Humility is not you looking in the mirror, calling yourself all sorts of bad names. That's not humility. That's self-hate. Humility is you thinking about yourself less, your, your position, your comfort, and your will, and your culture, and your political tribe, and your ministry idols. It's freedom from walking in self-centeredness and selfishness. One seminary professor says, the mark of meekness is not the absence of assertiveness, but it's the absence of self-assertion. Do you know the definition of self-assertion? It's the act of putting forth your own opinion in a boastful and inconsiderate manner that implies that you are superior to others. Look at Jesus. What do you see? The opposite of self-assertion. He's the opposite of pride, the opposite of arrogance, the opposite of self-centeredness. Jesus is meek, humble. He's gentle. He is the greatest example of humility and meekness that has ever existed in the world. And his people can walk in the footprint he has already left in the sand. Philippians 2, 1 and 8 says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, Bear in full accord with one mind. 
do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I love that. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in the human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Amen? That is Jesus. That is him, an example of humility. And he says in Matthew 11, All come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. You want rest? Are you tired? You got to come to Jesus. And if you, all, if you already know Jesus and you're tired, then you got to live in the rest that he's given you. Stop trying to earn what he's already given you. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, his hands are extending out to you, inviting you to receive them. Take hold of them in faith. And if you already know Jesus, stay. keep his hand. Stay there. You don't, this is one of the greatest mysteries, of, this is one of the struggles of Christians. We come into the faith, Christianity through faith, but then we try to live Christianity in our own strength. I did that, and you do that. The same faith that saved you, the same faith you live in for the rest of your life. You don't come to Jesus and say, well, I don't need Jesus anymore. I don't need him anymore. You need him all the days of your life, saints. All the days of your life. He is Emmanuel, not just on the cross. He's Emmanuel in the resurrection, too. And he's living with you as Emmanuel right now. And you can live with him in relationship, an intimate relationship. That Those hands isn't just for lost people. He's extending those hands to those who already know him. Inviting you to rest. Are you resting? Did you even know how to rest? Have you, ever, have, you, have you asked yourself this question in your, in your, in your journal this week? If you have your quiet time, do I even know how to stop and rest in Jesus? Or do I, I'm not just an energizer bunny that just keep going, 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 going? Many of you know Mark Stearns. And when I first started working with Mark, when, he, when we first started the church, he said something that has, I have never forgotten. He said he got to a place with God. And he told God, all I do is work for you. I don't know you. All I do is do Christian things for you. But I don't know you. And some of us have that same struggle. I'm working for Jesus, but we don't know him. Know him. He's inviting you to know him. He's not inviting you to go out and, and conquer the world for him. But here's the mystery. When you are enjoying Jesus, there are certain things that overflow from your life naturally. You will love people because you're committed to the source. So rest, saints, in what Christ has done for you.
things will naturally overflow from that. Joe Sabani is a student at the University of Nevada where he's pursuing a degree in the College of Business. And last February, Joe gave a TEDx talk titled Simplifying, Simplifying Humility and Integrity. He says humility is unique because when you have humility, people don't notice. It's funny. Someone once asked me, and I was trying to tell them about humility, and the most important thing is that when you're in your work, when you're in your work, in your groups, in your teams, in your leadership, wherever you are, your ministry at your church, nobody notices. But humility doesn't work unless you have integrity. Because integrity is when you align your actions with your beliefs. See, integrity, like humility, is also meekness in action. Humility is how you view yourself and, and think about yourself. Integrity is how you carry yourself how you function in life, how you navigate life. And integrity has two basic definitions. It's a quality of being honest and trustworthy. It also means wholeness and incomplete. Think about it like this. Integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching you. Doing the right thing when no one notices you. Doing what's right even when you don't get praise or credit. Integrity is who you are when no one notices, when, you, when no one's looking. It's, it's who you are when the lights aren't on. It's who you are when you're not on social media. I have another question for the kids. What are two main things, kiddos, that usually happens on Halloween? Two main things that happens on Halloween. Yes. Yes, that's one. What's another? And dress up. Yes. Great. Those are the two answers I was looking for. On Halloween, people dress up and they go trick-or-treating. And guess what, kids? Some people celebrate Halloween 365 days a year. Some of you are celebrating right now. Wait a minute, Pastor. <laughs> what do you mean? Some people wear figurative masks and cartoons, costumes in order to hide who they truly are from the public. These masks and costumes allow them to pretend to be someone they're not. And there's a term for that kind of fakery. It's called hypocrite. Integrity is the opposite of hypocrisy. It means you are who you claim to be. Your actions align with your beliefs and your convictions. You practice what you preach. For Psalm 119, one says, joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Proverbs 10.9 People with integrity walk safely, and those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. Proverbs 27, 20, verse 7 says, The godly walk in integrity. Blessed are the children who follow them. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Saints, integrity and humility helps us walk carefully. Both are meekness in action. Both are convictions of the way. Both are character traits that the spirit grows in believers. But don't tune me out here. Wake up. Humility and integrity, even though they're great qualities, they are not the reason why you flourish in life. That's an amen statement. Believers don't flourish 
because they have good character. They don't flourish because they're meek and they're, having, they're humble and they have integrity. Because it, it, if our flourishing was based upon our character, two things would happen. Two things would happen. On one hand, if you're trusting in your own character, it will lead to self-righteousness when you think your character is solid. But on the other hand, it will lead to shame and condemnation when you realize your solid character is just liquid that evaporates eventually. None of us are as good as we think. None of us do the right thing all the time. We're, always, we're not always gentle and kind and humble. Ask my kiddos. I'm not always, beautiful. I'm not always pleasant to be around. We mess up. Sometimes we mess up huge. King David. Amen, sister. <laughs> King David was a man after God's own heart. A man of integrity, humble, solid character. But what eventually happened to the man after God's own heart? He had another man, he got another man's wife pregnant. Now, then he tried to cover it up. And eventually he had that brother murdered and took his wife for himself. So the man, after God's own heart, he had liquid, liquid character that evaporated in that moment, in that situation. Now, David later repented, and God restored him, and he, he lived with the consequence of that sin, but God never disowned him. God didn't choose David because David had good character. He chose him freely of his own sovereign grace. You see, there will be moments in your life when your character is liquefied and it evaporates. And Jesus knows it. And that's why he came and died on the cross for us. And that's why we, we can't look to our character to be the source of why we flourish in life. Character eventually lets us down. But Jesus' character won't. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny God's faithfulness to you is the reason why you're going to flourish in this life. Despite what you go through, despite your failures, despite your character flaws, his faithfulness to you will be the reason why you can thrive. Despite death, despite mistakes, despite grief, despite injustice, despite sickness, despite cancer, and I hate cancer, you can still thrive and flourish because of who God is for you. But do you believe it? The third beatitude says believers flourish because they shall inherit the earth. That's a promise. That's a promise. And the thing about an inheritance is that you don't have to work for it. Okay? You don't work for an inheritance. You benefit from someone else's work. And it's given to you freely. And so what, 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 that, what Jesus is saying here, the God who created this world is going to give it to his people in the new heavens and new earth. That's what he's saying. Now, that is a promise to you that you can live in that promise that one day all suffering will be gone. One day all doubts will be gone. One day no more pain, no more tears. No more falling short. No more oversleeping. One day. One day your life will be all together. One day. You will inherit the earth. 
And that is a promise that God makes only to his people. And we get the taste of that inheritance now. Because as believers, we live in the already and not yet. That when Christ came, he brought God's kingdom here. And so as believers, we get the taste of that kingdom. Because we don't have the full buffet now. But man, the buffet is coming. If you eat all the fried chicken you want, don't gain any weight. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> One day it's coming. So think about it like this. When a woman says she's a kept woman, what is that woman saying? Ladies? Oh, yes. Yes, sister. Amen. She is taken care of. She is provided for. All her needs are provided for. And that's what I mean. That's what I believe is being applied in, in this verse called inheriting the earth. That believers are a kept people despite what they go through. Okay? Now, a kept woman, she's still going to struggle and suffer sometimes, but it doesn't mean she's not kept. And same for you. You are a kept people because of who you are in Christ. That's one of the benefits of being God's people, that you are kept. That there's nothing that you go through that's going to snatch you out of his hands. Okay, your continued struggles with sin will not snatch you out of his hands. That you are kept, you are secured, you are provided for. He has you. Either that is true or it's a lie. Who would you believe, saints? Do you believe that you are kept son and daughter of God despite what you go through? Because life happens and life lies to us. What you go through in life is not an indicator of how God sees you. Amen, Pastor. What you go through in life is not an indicator of how God sees you. When he sees you, he sees son and daughter. My beloved, my treasured possession, my people, my bride, my citizens. And he has us. We may suffer, but we would never be abandoned. The Lord is our shepherd, and we shall not want. All of our needs are provided for by the hands of God. David says in Psalm 27, I believe I should look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you believe that, saints? Do you believe that you can taste God's goodness in the land of the living? And here's the thing. Only Christians can believe that. Only Christians can taste that. Because we know the goodness that we experience isn't coming out of the sky. It's not coming through karma. Because my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. No, we believe because we have a God who is faithful to us. Who not just up, up in heaven throwing darts. Say, well, well, Alex has been good today. Let me throw this dart and see how, how I'm going to turn in his life. No, God does things on purpose. He's intentional. And he has your life in the palm of his hands. Saints. Again, this is not for the, just for the grown-ups. It's for the, the kids, too. If you're a young believer, and if you can, and if you can have a, a, a great understanding of what it means that you are a child of God, man, you're going to live. You're going to have a lot, so much joy in your walk. Because you, you walk in confidence of what Christ has done for you and realizing that you have to earn it. He's already done it for you. And you don't have to get on the cross with him. It's already paid for. 
I, I learned this stuff years later. But if you're a young person, you know Jesus, learn what it means to rest in him. Learn what it means to know his finished work has, has set you free. And for some of you, that means it's okay if you fail a test. It doesn't change who you are in Jesus. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to fall short. It's okay. Because Jesus has paid it all for you. And some of you young people need to know that. It's okay. Because Jesus has your back. He's the only friend that's going to let you down. Now, I keep saying things, not even in my notes, but hey, run, spirit, run. Inheriting the earth presently means that you get to see God's goodness in your life. And what I love about God's goodness in our life, we get to see God's goodness on display in communion. That when you see God's faithfulness being displayed to other brothers and sisters in Christ, that is you witnessing the goodness of God. That's you tasting the goodness of God in the land of the living. Because God is still the creator of his. This is God's world. This is not Satan's world. This is God's world. Okay? It ain't like him and Satan on the same team. Satan is good. God is is good. Satan is evil. They are not equal. It's not even close. He's way down here at the bottom. God is still on his throne. And that means he is restoring and transforming his creation. Christ came to bring holistic redemption. Not just, to rede- not just to make us right with God to go to heaven. He came to restore everything that happened in Genesis 3. He's making all things new. Everything's been made new. Everything. Everything's been made new. And only Jesus can do that. And that's not just pie in the sky. As believers, we believe this stuff. And it may sound foolish to those who are not believers, but we believe this. It's true because our God says it's true. And we can flourish because God is faithful to us. This promise of uh, inheritance is also a future. That means Christians won't fully experience this inheritance until Christ returns in the second coming. So we live, as I said, we live in this already not yet of life. This means sometimes the Christian life may look like we're losing. Sometimes when you see brothers and sisters suffering for the faith, you may feel like we're losing. When we see things happening in the world, it may feel like and seem like we're losing. It may look like we're the the ones on the wrong side of history. And it may look like pie in the sky. It may look like we're fighting and living for a lost cause. It may feel and look hopeless at times. And sometimes you may feel that what the psalmist says in Psalm 73, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are a pure heart. But as for me, my feet has almost stumbled. My step has nearly slipped. And when I was envious of the arrogant, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Sometimes we feel that way. And if we're honest with ourselves, and if we, and we can admit that, that, sometimes I feel like I'm losing. I don't know about you. But in my life, sometimes I feel like I'm losing. But what I feel is not always reality. It's not always reality. Because we know there's two realities. There's the reality I see, and there's a supernatural reality as well. 
and that our God is at work. Paul says in, 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 in Corinthians, we do not lose heart. Though our inner self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light monetary affliction, this affliction is preparing for us a eternal way to glory beyond all comparison. As we look to things not seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So Christians have a hope that's not built in the here and now. We have a hope that is eternal. And that hope is more than pie in the sky. It is real. It is true. And it will get you through some dark days. Because you will know that my God is always for me. Despite what I go through. So TBC Saints, we can walk in humility and integrity. But don't make those character traits the reasons why you flourish. You flourish because your God will always be faithful to you. And you don't have to beg him to be faithful. Did you know that? You don't have to beg for him to be faithful. You have it because you're his son and daughter. Good, good parents don't have to, don't, 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 good parents, if you have a good parent, you don't got to beg your parent to be faithful to you. They're going to be faithful to you because they're good parents. And if, you, if your earthly parents can do that, <laughs> and if earthly parents can do that, who are imperfect, think about how much more God is to you. Think about that. Think about that. He's much more. The Lord is your shepherd. You will not want. He restores our soul. And he will forever lead us in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Let us pray, saints. Lord Jesus, we thank you that when you said it was finished, it's finished. And I thank you that you know, the Spirit worked certain things in us, but those things that he worked in us are not the reason that we flourish. We flourish because of who you are, of what you have done, and what you will continue to do. I pray for each of the saints here as they go out into their weeks. I pray that you they will step out with confidence that you are with them. I pray when they hear the disappointments or if they go through sufferings, if they have heartache, if they have pain, or whatever they are going to experience this week, help them to know they are not abandoned. They are not abandoned. They are not alone. That you are still Emmanuel and you are still on your throne because that's just the way it is. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.